You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. If you could take your Bible or whatever device your Bible is on and put it out, I say that because about a decade ago is when the iPad and the iPhone really started getting all the apps on it and everything. And we had been in Papua New Guinea serving and when the only thing that we knew about that apps were good for was to occupy our children on long plane flights. And so when I got ready to speak at a next church and I said, take your Bible out, everybody got out their iPad and phone. And in my mind, I'm like, well, they've already put an X through my name and have already gone to Candy Crush because they realize it's the missionary that's gonna be speaking and he's gonna be boring. So let's get out the device and start playing games. It always shocks me with my son Israel. We've, we've been at a different church every Sunday since being back. And we've shown that video at about every church. And today I got tickled because the video came on and he goes, look, they're playing our video as if that's a, that's a new thing. And then every time a picture of Carrie or I came across, he's like, look, look, it's you, it's you. I'm like, I put the video together, son. I realize that I'm in the video. So um, as Brady said, I'm a second generation and uh, I always feel sorry for, for people who have to hear most missionaries speak. The reason being is, as the son of a missionary who had to hear the same sermon over and over and hear the same stories over and over, it got boring for me. And one Sunday we were giving my dad a hard time and I said, Dad, I think I could do your sermon better than you could. I've heard it enough. And he said, okay, start. And so my brother and I, I mean, we were in the car, we had hours to kill, and this was back before the iPad and the iPhone. And so we're going down the road, and so I said, all right. And so I started in on my dad's presentation, and I'd heard it at least 20 or 30 times by now. So I started going through it, my dad started laughing. He said, well, you know what, I think you got it. If you think you can do it, I'll let you do it at the next church. And I think he thought that I would say, not, not going to do it. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And so I got up and he, he got up and said, you know, Jesse's going to be me. So you just look at him. And apparently I've always had the gift of matching people's mannerisms. But when it's your own father, that comes more naturally. And so after it was over, I had people come up to me and said, I feel sorry for your dad. People aren't gonna wanna hear him anymore. They're gonna wanna hear the younger version because you sound and look just like him, only a lot smaller and younger. So this morning, my job is to hopefully beat the stereotype of the missionary being the dull speaker and hopefully pass on some things that have really begun to minister to Carrie and I in the last, in the last couple of months. If you have your device or your Bible out, open up to John 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 15. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. 
Therefore, Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. Jesus took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve, bla twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by, to be by himself alone. A lot of people, when they preach um, on this particular story, they concentrate on the five loaves and the, and the two fishes. They talk about um, how God provides our needs or whatever. I'm going to take a little bit of a different uh, glimpse and hopefully unpack this in a way that will make you see this in a new light. Um, Papua New Guinea is a very different place than America. There are certain things that Papua New Guineans do that Americans would never dream of doing. Um, some of it has been taught through our Western culture, and some of it is just, you know, just the way they react. So um, where we are at specifically is we're on the north coast. Uh, Papua New Guinea is an island just north of the northeast tip of Australia. We're very close to the equator. While it's hot, um, we have a lot more humidity. Um, so when we come to the desert here, the dry heat, it's, we actually um, feel hotter here than we do there because there's no moisture in the air. You can't cut the air with a knife like you can in Papua New Guinea. But one of the things that we have noticed in Papua New Guinea, we live in a village of about 550 people. It's open air and everybody knows everybody's business. It's like a small small town America, you know. If there's an argument going on at the end of the village, I just kind of stick my head out and see, you know, who is it? Oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, I know what they're arguing about. Because you've heard all the other arguments that have preceded this argument, so you know what's going on. But see, we don't have entertainment like you do here. We don't have Netflix or Hulu or Roku Channel or anything like that. So other people's problems become our entertainment. And so when people are starting to argue and, and say things, you go down to hear the new phrases that are going to come out of this argument, or you go to just, you know, oh, you're having problems, because we don't have anything better to do, honestly. And, but one of the things that has always amazed me is we don't do that with just arguments in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is the only place I've been that when gunfire goes off, everybody runs toward it to see who's shooting at who. This happens in the highlands all the time. And so you'll hear a gun go off and everybody will go, who's shooting? Let's go see what they're shooting at. Uh, no thanks, I'll stay right here. Um, you can do whatever you want to do. I don't want to be collateral damage to your argument. 
So in the, in the story that I've just read to you this morning, it says in verse 2, if you look at it closely, that the people were following Jesus. Why? Why were they there? This is kind of like Papua New Guinea is, you know, Romans are oppressing them right now. There's nothing good on TV. There's no soccer game to watch on a Saturday night. They're there because they want to see what? They want to see the signs and the miracles. Most of the people that are traveling along and, and, and with Jesus at the moment, they're not there for the message, which I'm sure were very good. They're there because they want to see what he's going to do next. Is a blind man going to see today? Is a lame man going to walk again today? They are there sheerly for the entertainment value. Entertainment. I, one of my favorite movies is The Gladiator. Anyone here that's one of their favorite movies? I love The Gladiator. One, because there's an Australian playing a Spaniard, and I think that's very funny. But um, I, I love the storyline of, you know, uh, someone fighting for their freedom. That kind of gets me. But, you know, he makes what, you know, he's in a side. He hasn't become famous yet, and he goes out, kills a bunch of people, and says, are you not entertained? I wonder how many times when Jesus healed somebody, he wanted to talk to the crowd and say, I know you're just here for the entertainment value of what's going on. You're not really here to hear what I have to say. Now, if you look at um, another further down in the story, I've gotten away from my notes, which I often do. Um, there's another reason that the people are there. They've come to an area where they know there's not going to be much opportunity. There is no, as we were enjoyed a breakfast burrito, there's no golden pride right down the street. They can't just go and get a burrito or they can't just go to McDonald's and get something. So they have come and then basically they're sitting around waiting on Jesus to do something. One of the things that I learned uh, moving back to the United States and learning about working in the workforce, uh, whenever you talk about getting a new job, what are the first thing? First thing you talk about is what? How much money is it? How much am I going to be making? And what is the second thing you talk about? What are the benefits? You want to know what kind of insurance there is. You want to know, you know, what all goes with this job. I have a feeling that there are a lot of people that are following Jesus at the moment in this particular crowd. They are there for the benefits. How is this going to help me? What am I going to get out of this? And then Jesus decides, well, you know what? We're going to feed these people. And so... He, he gets the five loaves and the two fishes, and he basically does a miracle. It would be really cool, I think, that if I could pray for food, that it would multiply just like this. It's like the ultimate buffet bar, um, which you often feel like when you go to a buffet, if I'm going to pay this kind of money, I'm going to get my money's worth. So I have a feeling when the bread and the fish started getting handed down. I think people probably took more than what they could actually eat, which is why you ended up with the 12 baskets left over. 
Um, if you look at the very last verse of what I just read, it says, so Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain to be by himself. I wonder if we look at our lives this morning, let's try to put ourselves in the shoes of those that are there. Why are we here this morning? What caused you to want to get out of bed and come to church? Are you here because you want to see some miracle in your life? Are you putting in your time just because you want a benefit that's going to come back to you because of following Christ? Uh, in, in the first, I think it was the first hymn, Carrie, you'll have to remind me, says, there was two words, um, your congregation will endure, tri or it's tribulation. You, you know songs better than me. You don't know as well. But there's something about enduring tribulation. How many of you, when you came in to church this morning, asked to have trials and trouble? We sang it. How many of us say, Lord, bless me with a bunch of trouble? It's hashtag blessed. That's why I'm here this morning, to, be, to have trials and tribulations. Um, to give you a little bit of background about our ministry and what's going on at the moment, we had to shut the clinic down last week because of a tribal warfare between two villages. And it was no longer safe to have our CHWs there because their lives were being threatened and they were threatening to, as collateral damage, burn everything in our village. And so we had to make the tough call to send the CHWs and get them out before anything happened to them. CHW is a, a clinic healthcare worker. Um, my wife's giving me the stabbing eyes like you need to let everyone know what you're talking about. So um, it's amazing after about 25 years of marriage how much can be communicated in one look. Um, and I'm always wrong, you, you have to remember that. Um, so. We had to shut the clinic down. It's one of the worst, it's one of the hardest decisions that we've ever had to make because of how many people come and get help from there. But as we're looking at it through a lens of a little time has passed and we look at scripture and we see um, what Christ calls us to do. Um, one of the scriptures that I happened upon after going through this was Christ said to the disciples, he said, said, the world will hate you because they hated me first. How many of you feel as a Christian that today we are hated? How many of you feel oppressed because of the society that we live in today? We've been, Carrie and I have been overseas for 18 years. The America that we left is not the same America that we have come back to. And I don't know if you, if you know how uh, there's some frog that if you put it in boiling water, it'll jump out. But if you put it in cool water and you slowly heat it, it will allow itself to be boiled to death because the slow change in the temperature um, 
it doesn't affect it like it does the hot water. I have a feeling today that there are very, a lot of Christians who we have slowly grown accustomed to what is going on around us and we are no longer see the great difference that someone from outside who comes back and says, wait a minute, it wasn't like this 15 years ago. It wasn't like this 20 years ago. What has changed? Are we the kind of Christians that show up on a Sunday morning to be entertained? Are we the kind of Christians that show up just for the benefits? Are we here for what Christ and the church can give us instead of how we can be servants for Christ? I love the songs this morning, and it fits so well into what I was talking about. It says, because the last song, make me a servant, humble and meek. Like, no one wants to be a servant today in today's days and time. Everyone wants to be recognized. Everyone wants to get credit. I know I do. Um, if I do anything, any cleaning in the house or anything, I want a parade thrown. And like, look at what I did, dear. I took out the garbage. She's like, that's your job. Um, and she doesn't seem as amused or she doesn't think what I've done is as great as what I think it is. Let me read further down in the chapter of, uh, of John chapter 6. It's line 26 through 27 and, and then a little bit of 28. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. When we first went to Papua New Guinea, we had a lot of people that, that wanted to help us and to work us. We, we call our life in the villages life in the fishbowl. The reason we say this is because there's no entertainment. If Jesse goes outside or Carrie goes out to do something, there's at least 15 or 20 people just to come and say, Look at them. Look at what they're doing. Boy, they're terrible with the machete. Like, man, that's not how you dig with the shovel. Don't offer any help. They're just there to see how bad we do it. And then for me, who I have a sawmill, when I first pulled the sawmill out for the first time, I had 50 or 60 guys just there to see how the sawmill worked, see what all was entailed. But there was a, a young man who was there, I had grown up with him, who was a very, he had been, he'd made it almost through grade 12, um, and he ran out of school fees, so he came back to the village. Really switched on guy, but he's always been really quiet, and he's always been reserved. And I wanted to reach out to him and say, listen, I need guys like you to come and help me, because I can't do it all by myself. But he was just sitting kind of back on the fringe, not really getting involved. He's never been, never been someone who wants to take the lead on anything or be very vocal. He's just happy to kind of be back uh, away from everyone. And slowly, slowly over the last 18 years, he, we, I got him to come and he's obviously a very switched on guy. 
One of the prerequisites was learning, teaching someone how to read a standard tape measure in a world of metric because the sawmill was imported from the United States. Teaching someone standard when all they've ever known is metric, you wanna talk about a hard job, that is a hard job. Um, but Andy caught on right away and he has been one of the best sawmill operators that I had. The problem was Andy didn't have any time for God. And he didn't want to have anything to do with church. Two or three years ago, after spending a lot of time investing, we do devos every morning before we start work and everything, Andy became an immersed believer. So much so to the point that right now, through this crisis that we've gone with having the, having the fight and you know, threat, and I told him, I said, listen, if people are going to burn anything down, don't try to stop anything. You get yourself out of the way. He said, I'll be here. He said, whatever happens, I'll be here. And Andy had gone from being at the back of the room to now asking if he could lead the devotions. Andy went from being on the fringe to now in front that when this problem occurred, Andy was the one who said, let's pray about it before the leaders and we try to solve this and we try to mediate this. We need to pray about it before we go out and try to solve this. When I read this parable and the scripture, it means different to me now than it did a couple of weeks ago. Because I see that while a lot of people, and, and don't get me wrong, there are great benefits to following Christ. And there is something to be said by living a, a life that, that Christ would want us to live. There are benefits to that, but that's not why we do it. We do it because our heart and we can see uh, that we should do it because that is what God calls us to do, to serve and to be more like him in a world where it is completely the opposite right now. Everything in this world right now is it's all about me. One of the stories that has always kind of amazed me, the parable of the, the widow lady that gave the you know, the penny and the offering. Everyone wants to take that and say, it's, it's not about the amount, but really, I, I'll tell you what, it's about the heart. It's where that woman's heart was when she gave to God. So this morning, why are we following Christ? Why are we here? Are we here for the entertainment? Are we here for the benefits? Or are we here because we realize that a life serving Christ is what makes him happy and it what is actually fulfilling for our lives that we can go through the heartache that we can go through the tribulations that we can endure all that and see the difference that christ is making not only in our lives but the world around us this morning um, if you've never made a decision for Christ and you want to come and speak to the leadership about becoming an immersed believer or placing your membership with the church, I invite you to do that at this time. We've got a booth set up out back. Um, please stop by, take a brochure. We'd love to answer any questions that you might have. Thank you so much for the support that you guys have given us all through these years. We are so thankful to have partners like you that not only support us financially, but pray for us as well. So thank you for the opportunity to speak this morning and to share with you just some things that have been going on with us and how the Lord is still teaching us after 18 years that 
while things may be going on around us, God is still in control. The winner is very clear and that he is going to make things right in his time and in his way and not ours.